It is May 4th, 2021, and the road that they walk on is paved in gold. This is the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein. I don't know why I'm saying my name like that. Joined by Alfred Kanawa and comedian Mike Lawrence joining us tonight on the podcast to talk about NXT on USA. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, that was a surprising victory, I thought, in the main event, women's tag match. Good to see Candice and Indy getting those titles. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I'm I'm still more intrigued by the dog pooping on Shotzi's tank. I think that that <laughs> ruined her morale going into it, and so I think the real feud is with, uh, you know, was it Frankie Monet and yeah. um, and and the dog? Uh, so I, I think they might be tag champs soon. Yeah, that's uh, some main event material right there, yeah. literally. Uh, I think next week, you know, we can see Shotzi versus Frankie. Frankie going over. Yeah, seriously, who books this shit? <laughs> yes. Uh, but yet, better than any storyline in recent memory on Monday Night Raw. I mean, <laughs> I feel like that's where they get the storylines from. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like this is exactly what they would be doing with Shotzi if she was on Raw. This was such a WWE Raw segment on NXT. Like, it feels like that's the first thing Vince McMahon would want to do with that tank if he saw a dog near it. How come we don't have pets more on the main roster? Um, I feel like because a lot of drug addicts were trusted with them and they died. Oh, it's true. You know, <laughs> like that's the crazy thing. We we gave people pets when they weren't even good with their children like <laughs> hey jake the snake you can't care for your daughter here's a here's a, uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> i mean i don't know you know baron corbin seems like a ferret guy if i've ever seen one. Oh yeah yeah like the kind uh, of guy just like wears it around his neck and you know it's it named after like an ex that he says he's over, but he's clearly not. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my answer. <laughs> when you said Baron Corbin seems like a fair guy, I took it a completely different way. I was just like, well, <laughs> it's a bit of an extreme accusation there, but I guess. No, a fair, you know, like people that don't fair. Yeah, yeah now I know. Yeah, now I can see it. <laughs> I don't even know what the slang you're referring to is. I'm going to have to go to Urban Dictionary, look some stuff up. Uh, broaden my vocabulary a little bit, Alfred, but... Uh, <laughs> This was this was a good show tonight. I mean, look, NXT is uh, welcome. It's always a lovely Tuesday evening. Uh, opening tonight with the False Count Anywhere match, Leon Ruff versus Isaiah Swerve Scott. Banger of a match. Uh, really just uh, intense from start to finish. Great way to open the show. Uh, Mike, what did you think of this? Oh, this is awesome. Um, Ruff is like the perfect ragdoll. <laughs> <laughs> like swerve is like great at just clobbering him um it's a great feud i think you know the problem when you have a, a screwy finish with the the was aj francis which yeah. what a terrible name that is um it is bad yes but your last name is just the guy who stole peewee's bicycle um that <laughs> that doesn't help um and and i think like i i, I really liked it but now that you add that guy in, it's like because they felt like this was the the blow off, but now it doesn't feel like it is because it feels like Francis will be this mini boss and then Ruff will go against Swerve again. Um, I thought it was good. I mean, it was weird to me structurally if we want to talk the whole show in the sense that 
the opening and the end was a little odd to me. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I thought, I mean, this was really well worked. The last thing I'll say, um, a lot of the best stuff was in the picture in picture, which was weird. Like, <laughs> Leon Ruff took, like, some really, you know, brutal spots. Like, got thrown into a locker. All the backstage stuff was picture in picture. And maybe, I don't know if this is a hot take, a warm take. I don't like the picture in picture. I would rather they just go to commercial and then come back. Like, yeah. I think that it it trains the audience to not care as much. And like Ruff was literally taking these brutal spots for nothing. Like while we were watching Ric Flair talk about car shields. And they could have uh, trolled the audience and just gone to commercial and come back with the aftermath, staged it and be like, Oh my God, you just missed the most brutal move ever. Yeah. And then just go like replay or something. But the way they did it, it's just, I don't know. Like, I mean, I watch Dynamite every week, and I don't really count the picture-in-picture picture as part of the matches. Like, mm. Alfred, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, it, it does miss a lot if you don't get the commentary either. Like, the match completely loses what I think is probably its most important tool. Is if you just see them on mute, like, even if they are doing crazy moves, you kind of lose something if nobody's reacting to it or they don't set it up with uh, some kind of commentary. Uh, but it was really a weird match structurally because you would have never been able to tell that it was a falls count anywhere based on the first half of the match. And they didn't do anything to make you want to stay around to see what kind of crazy stuff they do. But thankfully, when they came back from it, that's when you saw the toolbox and all the stuff they were doing on the outside, which they had some crazy exchanges that I just I really like how these two work together. And uh, and I like that Swerve Scott finally has a, a stable now because he's this gimmick that he's doing. Uh, kind of needs it where he's being this kind of studio rapper, but you can't just come out by yourself. That's not really the rapper gimmick. You got to have an entourage going. Yeah. I mean, how soon are they going to bring Oscar back from men on a mission? You know, it's coming, you know, yeah. oh, man. like, you know, I, like I, what, what Vince's like view of hip hop history is. Can we get PN news? <laughs> <laughs> Combo Breaker Buck 99 saying Swerve had murder on his mind with the toolbox. Uh, how much yeah, more yeah. versed? I mean, I'm assuming anything is, is more like Triple H and the NXT storytellers have to be at least moderately versed in hip hop compared to Vince McMahon, who the last rap record he probably bought was uh, Chubby Checker and the Fat Boys doing the twist. <laughs> And that was last week. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> so we'll see. But th- I think it's going to be aggression, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Why do you got to think maybe Vince pick, pitched an angle at some point. Like, I'm going to put out a diss track. <laughs> you know? What if, you got to think if, it was like, The only rap album he's heard from start to finish is Randy Savage's Be a Man. <laughs> I was just thinking about that one, too. <laughs> I, oh, I, I I worked as a researcher on that Randy doc that just oh, wow. aired. Um, yeah, that was one of the funnest things I've ever done in in my life. Uh, just watching and talking about Randy Savage and stuff. And God, we could have done so much more on BMA. <laughs> yeah. I love the documentary, by the way. I thought, I mean, I think they've been really good on a and I was surprised with how much they really kind of got into his, uh, you know, the darkness of his past. Because did a great job with that doc ever and uh it was fun like research you know i say research like he came over my place and i showed him the jake and savage feud from 91 and stuff oh, like wow. that it's like that's not work <laughs> that's fun uh, like talking to him about gorgeous george and everything it's 
you know, like Billy needs to find the Florida and everything that he makes. And uh, that's very easy with pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I say pro wrestling is the Florida of sports. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, yeah, due to interference, uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott won this match due to the, the interference by AJ Francis. <sighs> Can we have another AJ? I feel like. <laughs> Yeah, and that's his real name, I think. They didn't even bother to give him, like, BJ Francis or something. Do you you think that they should incorporate his, like, WWE treasures hosting into this gimmick? Because it is weird to see him be this, like, happy, fun host on A&E and then, like, this tough, like, you know, bruiser guy here. Like, I would love if he, like, has different like rare objects that he uses to like beat people up with and shit. Like he has to take it out of the case and then put it back in. <laughs> oh my god, he's got Randy's scepter. He's gonna use it. Or you know, like like he steals something from everybody. Like he's he's a collector. Like when he beats oh, you, that's good. you know, he takes something from you. They had what was it? Yeah, PCL was doing a gimmick like that in the 90s uh, when he feuded with Bret Hart and he took Bret Hart's leather jacket. I think That's it was PCL. Jump here the feet. I always thought that was a badass thing. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's who it was, yeah. Yeah, and one of the things that he did, which is such an amazing heel thing, he would take the kid's glasses from the front row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the kid would be bawling, crying, and they just get it on camera. <laughs> but they would turn out to be like a wrestler's son. Like, wow. I, now I notice all those kids were Samoan. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's such a baby face on that A&E show. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I kept thinking. Is like, how are we going to take this guy serious as a heavy if he's just like such a gregarious, likable person, you know, on a show that I think boy, more people or just as many people watch that show, I think, as NXT. But I might be thinking of the documentary, but I think a lot of people are going to kind of confuse the two characters and have a hard time taking them seriously. Yeah, well, 55-year-olds watch A&E and 55-year-olds watch NXT. <laughs> it's crazy. Remember when A&E was like, like I'm going to watch a taped stage version of Death of a Salesman and uh, then maybe some old episodes of Masterpiece Theater. Like, what does A&E become? You know, just like yeah. the slow, steady decline over the last 40 years that now it's like wrestling documentaries and, yeah. uh, yes, uh, like, Storage Wars ripoffs. Uh, Asher Hale versus Cameron Grimes tonight. Asher Hale is the former Anthony Henry. So they kept the initials. Uh, but yeah, Grimes won this match. But the real Grimes story we saw later. Um, let's talk. Let's talk about. I love, uh, I love Grimes. Oh, uh, so good. So good. He's a guy that when he's not on the show, the show suffers. So he he gets his gimmick. He's so fun. Like it's the rare case of a relevant gimmick, you know? Like it's genuinely like of today. And <laughs> he's just, yeah, I mean, he's he's better than this show is. 
Yeah, he's good. Yeah, Cameron Grimes, he's of that mold of like the people's champion in terms of his momentum right now. Like there's always one wrestler in WWE who's like so much better than how he's pushed and fans get behind him for a period of time. Like Damian Mizdow was that guy for a while, Heath Slater. I think Cameron Grimes, if we had crowds right now, would be getting such undeniable reactions and they'd have no choice but to really push him. And it sounds like they're doing a lot with him now because he got a squash match win and they did something with Ted DiBiase again. And I really like that they're kind of getting behind this character because it's very entertaining. Yeah, he's good. Uh, let's talk about the Grizzly Young Veterans versus Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher tonight with Ciampa and Thatcher getting a win. Uh, Alfred, what do you what did you think of this match? I was fine. I, I just think, and I've said this before about these guys, like I like each of these individually, but this just seems like two of the same gimmick feuding with each other. I feel like <laughs> We're just seeing so much of the same thing. They both wrestle the same pace. They both got that gimmick where it's like younger guys, but they wrestle an old school style, which is cool. But if you mix it with something that's uh, different that I think meshes better, this is just, it seems like 40s wrestling when I watch this sometimes, even though they do know what they're doing in there. It just doesn't keep my attention. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like, you know, this is what's great about NXT, and this is also what's missable about NXT. Like, you you know that NXT, it's like, it's interesting now that it's no longer competing with AEW, which what it really that does, thankfully for them, is it allows them to not be compared to AEW <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Because the thing is, like, what I always thought when they were against each other is, you know, I always thought like A and E. I mean, sorry, A and E. Roll A and E W. No, A and E. I mean, A E W. Always had like the best segment of the week and the worst segment. Mm. And NXT is at a much more even level. You know, like you know, you're gonna get at least one or two good matches. You know, you're gonna get some in ring promos where people get interrupted. Spoiler alert! Like you know the trappings of what like. NXT is and it's ever reliable and this match was like one of those where like this could be on every week maybe it is <laughs> and it's fine yeah I feel like this match this is um you're speaking of uh these A&E documentaries this reminded me of like the modern version of when I used to be flipping channels and I would see wrestling and I'd be like this seems really involved and interesting but it's just not grabbing me yeah. Like, which is what TBS wrestling was to me my entire time growing up. Every time I'd flip past early uh, WCW. That is what this felt like. Oh, sorry. Go on, Alfred. No, no, I was just saying that's a great comparison. That's exactly what this felt like. Well, you know, it's like a tale of two, like, styles, right? Like, you know that the Cameron Grimes match is a squash match. But sure. it's full of character work and gimmickry. And it's entertaining. And so it's like, I, you know, and I'm an 80s, 90s wrestling fan, you know, I'm sure we all are, but that's what I gravitate to. So I'd rather watch something like that than this, where it feels more technical than shoot fighty. Like my, my thing with wrestling, when wrestling gets too technical, it's like MMA. If I want to see people hurt each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, obviously. What I want to see is redneck billionaires. <laughs> but characters, man, characters and story. I mean, so we talk about this a lot on the podcast, Mike, is that great wrestling is so ubiquitous now that it's almost background. And it's really about yes. characters and storyline, because ultimately this is a TV show. If we wanted to watch sports, uh, 
we would watch sports. Yeah, and the characters and the storylines are always what's going to be hot when wrestling is at its hottest. People don't remember, like, I talked to a lot of Laps fans who used to watch wrestling, some of my friends who don't watch it anymore. The things they remember are the great storylines and characters. They never say, oh, man, I remember when so-and-so had a great match. They'll say, I remember Ted DiBiase or The Ultimate Warrior or something that stuck with them in terms of the character. Yeah, and you look at, like, even, like, the WWE packaging of its own uh, nostalgia, its own it isn't matches it's uh-huh. you know it's pieces in a match it's you know like hogan versus andre is nothing compared to hogan slamming <laughs> you don't yeah, even yeah. need to watch the rest of the match like right. that's all you need well and, and, and piggybacking off that when they talked about the savage steamboat match from wrestlemania what did they always talk about when they talk about a great match the story they told in the ring yeah yeah and I feel like we lose sight of that. You know, tonight the big uh, turn being that, uh, or the big uh, wrinkle being that uh, Thatcher used uh, Wade Barrett's shoe to hit Gibson in the face. Like, I don't know that that, I don't think we're going to be looking back at a retrospective on that moment 40 years from now. Yeah, and, and it's funny too with, you know, the Savage Steamboat thing to just jump on that for a sec. Yeah. You know, when we were like, you know, like when I was working on the Savage Dog, it's so interesting that, you know, some people even uh, to his detriment would talk about how he would over prepare matches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like it's like a knock on Savage at times when what he really did, I thought, was utilize the uniqueness of the art form. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's, it is predetermined. So predetermine the hell out of it. It's <laughs> like, you know, Alfred, when you were saying, like, all these great matches are interchangeable now, it is. Like, there are so many guys that have been trained a certain way that they could just go out there for 20 minutes and, you know, move after move, you know, call the, a great whatever has become definition of a great match in the ring. But it's not memorable. Exactly. <laughs> you know? It's like yeah. the true great, like, I mean, to me, it's like I'm an Orange Cassidy fan because – everything else like when when i saw the revolution pay-per-view last year him against Pac really stuck out to me because it was the most clear-cut heel and baby face dynamic on the show yeah no and we've uh, you know when i was covering AEW, i mean we're talking about like darby allen i don't care if it's a wrestling show a reality show cast him in a zombie apocalypse series um you know that character i will watch whatever yeah. format you want to put him in because he's so darn compelling. Yeah. And he's the hottest guy in AEW right now in terms of the ratings. He's the guy that they're main eventing right now. And a lot of that is his character and that kind of uh, charisma, that quiet ambiance that he's got about him. Yeah. It's not, I mean, the storylines were okay. I mean, we had Gargano upset, you know, trying to get a hold of Regal talking about uh, Bronson Reed earning another North American title shot. Um, it was cool to see Swerve with his, with his, entourage uh after uh you know kind of gloating about beating leon ruff and um then we had carrying cross come out to the ring nxt champion carrying cross with scarlet and this promo was oh man i mean this is what they do to death right where it's like and then o'reilly comes out and then dunn comes out and uh then balor comes out and we just uh keep interrupting and interrupting so i don't know i mean where what did you think of this, Alfred? And where do you think they go? Uh, I mean, from here? this was awful. I thought this was it's almost like they sat in a room, was like, okay, how do we make Karrion Cross look as normal 
as yeah. possible. Let's do what we do with everybody. Let's have him cut the promo. And he's got his little, that vest was awful. That uh, like casino dealer vest that he had. Like what happened to the other, he, he was like a Roman empire uh, emperor. The last time. But it's just, I thought it was horrible. I didn't like the fact that he, again, we talked about this before when he cut a promo after he won that title is that it's like this character really relies on it's like mystique. And yeah. that was completely blown asunder. And I have no problem with Karrion Cross. Whenever they decide to lay him out, that's fine. But, I mean, Johnny Gargano, even though he's a main event caliber wrestler, he is a, a comedy wrestler right now. Him and Austin Theory are doing straight-up comedy every week. Those are not the guys, especially Johnny Gargano, who's like half Austin or Karrion Cross's size. If this is your OP killer, the fact that they laid him out, does anybody think that Austin Theory is going to beat uh, Karrion Cross next week or that's going to be competitive? I don't know what the – demand was to have them lay him out but i just thought this was a disaster all the way around yeah this this type of promo i was sick of 15 years ago it doesn't help um it doesn't make anybody it'd be just because it's one guy after the other guy after the other guy i mean you know i guess the positive is it lets you forget how lame kyle o'reilly is because he went first um his character uh (laughs) It's like just guy going over, going to divorce and acting like he's okay with it, but he's still, you know, like he, he's the Kirk Van Houten of wrestling right now. Like I want him to have like, can I borrow a feeling t-shirts? Like, cause it's just really sad. And it's, you know, he came out of this, you know, it was the main event of a two night NXT, him against Mm -hmm. Paul. And now he's this goofball that, like, just the guy that quotes, you know, the first Borat to you still. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just cringy. It's uh, – and then and then you have, like, Pete Dunn after that who's, like, so serious that it's funny. And then Finn who's kind of good but can't save it. And Carrion's got Scarlet for a reason. That guy shouldn't really talk. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, you have – do these one minute, two minute promos. Do vets like, like the best guys ever weren't 10, 15 minutes. All of your memorable promo, terrible sentence, you know, wallowing in the muck of avarice, Jake the Snake was a minute and a half. <laughs> but putting these guys out there to just meander uh, is not, it doesn't help anybody. And then, yeah, and then you have them all like, I should get the title, I should get the title. And then these two other guys who have no, no connection with those guys end up beating up Cross. It's like, okay. Yeah, and just all the, the fighting in the ring tonight, I don't know. I mean, so this is going to go, Cross is going to defeat, I mean, it's going to be Balor versus Cross, the rematch at the next TakeOver, right? You don't think they're going to be crazy enough to do a fatal four-way? I mean, I don't know why you book a segment like that if that's not the direction. I'm pretty sure I feel like they would do a fatal four. I mean, I know at some point they're going to do Karrion Cross versus Kyle O'Reilly, but now that I see how this segment went, maybe they just started that so that they can get to this point where now we have a fatal four-way possibly. I think, you know, the the one positive I'll say about this is placement. I'm glad that they opened with uh, Swerve. And rough, even if it ended with the, the heel winning. I mean, that's fine. Who cares? Uh, because this is the kind of segment that often opens the WWE show, and it really sours you on wanting to be in the, <laughs> the show. Yeah. And so it being an hour in, like, 
I think Ruff and and Swerve, and I, I'm giving a big compliment to NXT here, started at like exactly 8.02. And mm-hmm. like that's what should happen. Like, boom, here's wrestling. Here's these guys. They showed a little video package because I think this would have really um, bumped us all out. Like, <laughs> I don't think we would watch the rest unless we had to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Uh, Zeta Ramirez versus Saray tonight. Uh, good match, but I don't know. I have trouble getting invested when they shake hands at the beginning and they're like cordial to each other at the end. Yeah. I mean, there's too many women in NXT that all shop at the same hot topic. Well, um, <laughs> like was it Zeta Ramirez? Like they all like, look like, like they were in tank girl. Like, that they bought front row tickets to the Thunderdome where they're kind of gothy, but not really. Um, this, uh, you know, match-wise, it was fine. You know, Saray's good. Um, like I said, I, I'm a person, like, I like a good squash sometimes, and I thought that this was almost too competitive if the point was to just yeah. make Saray a star. Yeah. Alfred? Yeah, I mean, I really, really like Soraya, and I thought this was a fine match. Uh, I want to see her against different opponents. I just thought uh, Zeta was a little – I mean, she's still very new, and she had a couple of scary spots toward the end where she laid on her neck a couple of times. Uh, but I thought uh, Soraya is just really good at, like, controlling the crowd. And two weeks in, in terms of her being able to connect with people in the ring, I think that's, like, the best thing that she does, which goes very far in WWE. Is she's just got such a great personality in the ring, and she knows exactly how to work the crowd – so I really enjoy seeing Sarai. I think they've got something in her. I think they're both super talented, but this goes back. This was like the the equivalent of uh, the Grizzled Young Vets and Champa match, you know, where it was like, okay, this this was good sportsmanlike conduct. Both women are very athletic. They put on a very good match. I think they both have interesting characters, but this was just sort of no stakes. Just you know, it was there. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah, absolutely. It was, I mean, it was supposed to be a showcase of Sarai, but I didn't really get that. I just got, and that speaks to Mike's point about it being so competitive. It's like, you know, that they've been talking to you about this woman who's coming in from Japan. They've been telling us for months now and two weeks in both of her matches have been super competitive. And it's like, if you think about this, like a real, like MMA, if you promote some guy as being a killer and it takes him like five rounds to knock out his first opponent, you're going to be like, well, this guy isn't all that good. I'm not going to pay pay-per-view money to see this guy fight. I think what they think is that, it's more impressive to watch somebody kick out at two and kick out of like finishers mm. in a squash than to just squash somebody. Yeah. Like, you know, I remember there was like, there was a, a dynamite like a few months ago and Paige, I think it was like Paige versus Bononi, and he like, you know, clothesline him and, you know, Larry like beat the crap out of him in a minute and a half. And then there was like a Moxley match on the same show that was like back and forth 10 minutes with the guy that wasn't at his level. And I'm like, yeah. give me the page match. Cause he looks more <laughs> like, like what competitive is. It's like, we want to see dominance sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we went to this uh, Imperium backstage talking to Walter via video call. Not happy with what happens as of late. I just, it is what it is. Like, I just, has Imperium been interesting in the last year? 
No, nothing without Walter, that's for sure. I mean, they've had some solid matches. I, I just kind of think, you know, Walter's another guy like that who's like, he's just like legit tough guy. And I don't know what it was. Seeing him on that iPod, it was just like like somebody's <laughs> dad on a Zoom call. Like, it just took away all this tough guy. I would have rather them do like a POV where they're talking to Walter and he's maybe sitting in some lair. But I just don't like the whole, it seems lazy to do the Zoom call thing. Yeah, like Hitler in the bunker is intimidating. <laughs> But Hitler, like, doing that downfall speech on a Zoom call <laughs> just doesn't have the same oomph to it. I mean, I'm Jewish, but, like, whatever I see, Walter, I think, like, I think that guy killed some of my family. Uh, he's terrifying. But he really, yeah, what's the story here that he's just not there because he had to go back? Like, he needs to be there if those guys are on TV, like you said. Alfred like they do not need to exist without him yeah he's the Justin Timberlake of Imperium and maybe yeah, he's it, secretly doing a solo album with the Neptunes and that's yeah, why he doesn't appear <laughs> because they're not even like Bebop and Rocksteady they're just like three foot clan guys yeah yeah they're that's very bad. interchangeable I struggle to you know kind of tell them apart which one is which we got the vignette for the diamond mine uh, people insisting this is not Tessa Blanchard, which makes me think it is Tessa Blanchard. More people deny. I don't know. It'll probably be disappointing. Guesses? Yeah. <laughs> Anything? Alfred, guess? Diamond Mine? It seems MMA influenced. Okay. Mike, well, who's your money on? Um, I don't. Um, it seems like it might have something to do with MMA. Like, uh, maybe it has something to do with Arturo. What? You know, you know what? I already think that LA Knight isn't working, so he's already going to come out as a different character. <laughs> he's just doing another other vignettes. Like, he's going to be like two guys on the same show, and then whatever works works. <laughs> we shall see. I mean, he uh, it. So LA Knight versus Jake Atlas. What's what's up with Jake Atlas? I saw Jake Atlas wrestle here in the Bay Area many times. I was so excited when he got signed to WWE and just LA Knight's out there beating him easily. Here's tonight. the sample size. It's funny. I saw Jake Atlas wrestle several times in PWG and I can't tell you how many times he was on a card where nobody knew who the hell he was and he'd have probably the best match on the show. Mm -hmm. And these are shows with like the Young Bucks on them and stuff like that. And this match to me felt like what wrestling used to be versus what wrestling could be. Like you've got mm -hmm. LA Knight who's just ain't it. Like he's doing this gimmick that's an impression of an Attitude Era wrestler versus this guy who's a legitimately great wrestler, LGBTQ, like an opportunity that WWE's never really had to kind of promote and reach out a new audience. And they just have the old style, you know, Rock Jr. win the match. Yeah, my my favorite this was when um, L.A. Knight was uh, doing the joke about, you know, they're going to need an atlas to find you. And then he just goes, <laughs> <laughs> when he laughed at his own joke because nobody else did. I mean, I've been there. I've, I'm a stand up. I've bombed on stage and been like, <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is weird because I think that Eli Drake is talented, but what he's doing right now is an impression and not yeah. an actual character, and it just feels weird. It feels disingenuous. And yeah, I saw Jake Atlas against Jungle Boy. I want to say in 2019 at uh, 
that was the Battle of Los Angeles, and it was amazing. Yeah. And he yeah. had he had the rainbow flag shorts. Like people were really into it. I think that that is genuinely important. Um, <laughs> although I will say, maybe not a good idea if he is going to get squashed. <laughs> but um, I think yeah, it was it was weird to me of like all the the actual squashes on this show that that Jake Atlas is the guy. That you squash and, you know, L.A. Knight is the guy you give a decisive hmm. win to because I feel like L.A. Knight, like, started at the mid-card and there's yeah. nowhere to go but down. Yeah, I don't see L.A. Knight being the one to uh, dethrone Karrion Cross. Yeah, I mean, I look at, like, you know, what I watched the first few powers, uh, <laughs> the W.A., and you know, AEW definitely got the best ones there of, of Kingston, Starks, and and Thunder Rosa. Like Eli Drake was like, "Oh, this guy's not bad," but he's definitely not at the league of the three talents I just mentioned. I, I could see North American Championship. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, Alfred. That's a good point. Now they got their bang out of their buck in terms of those talents because those guys are all overachieving in AEW. Yeah. Yeah, and they're they're all something that they didn't have already, and it's like that's the thing with LA Knight is like, what is he? Because even if, if the thing is a throwback character, it's like, well, Grimes is doing that much better. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I <laughs> uh, got a promo from Tony Storm on Zoe Stark. It was pretty cool. Uh, we had a pro promo uh, Legado del Fantasma out in the ring. Um, I for a second I was like, is this a face turn? What's going on here? I, I like I was really digging this promo. Um, yeah, you know, and then interrupted by Kushida. Uh, so we'll see how that continues. Um, let's talk about this interview with Mercedes Martinez and NXT Women's Champion Raquel Gonzalez. So I mean, this seems like are, are they going to face? Sorry, I'm just trying to remember at the end of this. I mean, this seems like a huge takeover match but are they going to get it done before then the, the yeah, next week yeah getting next week. week yeah and and oh. Kishida and uh santos is what two out of three falls yeah so they, they set up both of those yeah yeah i like that they're giving us big matches on tuesdays but man i don't know this this Carrying like across. just mercedes versus raquel seem screams takeover match it does yeah, I think they're doing a good job with both of them in terms of making them look tough. Um, I thought this was really good. Uh, I didn't like that they just kind of threw to this like it was going to be like I was not expecting it to be what it was because they just finished one segment and immediately went to the other one. But, you know, seeing how they did the overrun, I kind of know why. But I thought this was very good in terms of them just building them both up as tough women who want to fight each other. And, uh, you know, they're both very credible. So I think this is going to have a good match. What I, what I really wanted to see was the cameraman to pan out and you see that they're actually next to each other the whole time. <laughs> that's what it felt like. <laughs> um, no, this was fun. I mean, yeah, it's sometimes the best stories are I'm going to beat you. No, you're not. I'm going to win. Like it was, it was so funny because they were like ice skating around the word old. They said everything but old. And it's like, you know, Raquel's kind of a heel anyway. Just let her call her old because mm. she was like, you're more experienced. You've been doing this a long time. Like, just say you're <laughs> old and I'm young. Like, You were born in an era before the internet was prevalent. 
Yeah, you're going to die sooner and not just because pro wrestling. <laughs> I think there might be a reasoning to that uh, because I didn't notice that too. Maybe it's just uh, like Mickey James right now has been talking a lot about oh. ageism in WWE. So I think a segment like this would just cause Twitter to get riled up. Like, wait a minute, look, there they all calling women old again. But I did notice they were really dancing around that word. But having said that, you got Raquel, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Mercedes Martinez, she's in her 40s. Uh, Shayna Baszler's in her 40s. Asuka's almost there. Natalia Tamita. There's a lot of women in their 40s that I think are in prominent spots right now. So maybe the whole ageism thing, I think it's a little overblown. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I say that if Raquel does beat uh, Mercedes, she gets to put her in a garbage bag and send her back to her family. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be great. I mean, you got to book this. I hope they're listening yeah. to this. I want to see that now. Lean into it. <laughs> You're terrible to your employees. Oh, wait, you don't even consider them employees. Lean into it. So uh, we got that Cameron Grimes scene trying to get into a club, but the million-dollar man bought the whole club. Who Who's Ted DiBiase going to back? Who's the talent Ted DiBiase is going to have? Is it going to be the diamond mine? Hmm, think about the money, diamonds. Hmm. I love this. I, I, I love this so much. Ted looks great. Like, he yeah. looks really, I mean, there's something about when, like, I'll use the word older wrestlers. I mean, he's in the 60s. Except that they look older. You know, yeah. I, I remember um, like one one of the interviews that I I wasn't there for a lot of the Savage interviews, but I was there for Honky Tonk Man, and it was the weekend. Uh, I think we taped it when he was going into the Hall of Fame, and so he was all you know full honkied out. And when you saw how old his face looks under that really jet black dyed hair <laughs> it was like and then have you seen him recently where he just like grew his hair out white yeah. and everything it looks awesome you know <laughs> like yeah. old wrestlers look cool because they're just like these you know they're <laughs> grizzled old veterans they're these just mm. bitter guys who look like they pee chewing tobacco like and Tedeviasi like has that like vibe, you know. Yeah, my son's gone through some IRS scandals, and I don't mean Rotunda if you catch my drift. Uh, <laughs> and him buying the club, yeah. I mean, it's just great, and it's like and the way that they're doing it. It's almost like it feels like Cameron Grimes is just imagining Ted DiBiase oh, there. Yeah. Oh wow! Like, like, only he can see him, and nobody else can. <laughs> it's really funny to me. It's like. This whole time he's just been buying everything with Monopoly money and he's not even really rich. (laughs) But a lot of like wrestling comedy doesn't work. And I mean, I am a mark for Grimes, but this really worked for me. It was fun and silly and it was really entertaining. Yeah. And uh, Glenn, you're asking who the guy should be that Ted DiBiase backs. I really hope it ends up being Cameron Grimes. I mean, I hope he gets maybe somebody who initially he's going to back and then he turns on him because I do think that these two together – you know, you don't want to overdo the Ted DiBiase thing, but I think this would be the credibility that Cameron Grimes needs to start to really get taken seriously as a wrestler, too. Okay. Yeah. And, I mean, the one thing I could really – like, the best comment I could give Grimes is that if he was in that 9 o'clock promo segment, he would have at least stuck out more than the, the performers that were there. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And the main event tonight, street fight for the NXT Women's Tag Team titles, The Way, Candice LeRae, 
and Indy Hartwell versus Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. Before the match, uh, yes, uh, Frankie Monet's dog uh, made a mess of <laughs> Ember and Shotzi's tank. So they went out in their uh, Freddie and Jason inspired gear, had a banger of a match, uh, tables, ladders, a lot of intensity and brutality, but ultimately the new NXT Women's Tag Team Champions are the way Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell uh alfred to you first what'd you think of this match i mean i thought it was an exciting match uh, there was a lot of miscues um basically because like the tables weren't breaking and uh there was a thing with the ladder where candace almost fell on her face um but i really thought they worked very hard and i was pleasantly surprised by the fact that indy and candace are now the tag team champions because you know this way thing they could use a little more steam in terms of them actually winning matches instead of just being comedy people who just always lose so uh it's fine i just like the fact i think it's hilarious that the, between candace and indy their gimmick is basically candace is gaslighting indy <laughs> like to the most literal, like the way they describe, we use gaslighting a certain way now, but that came from this 40s movie where the guy was kind of flickering the lights and telling his wife that, no, no, you're not seeing anything. And she ends up going crazy. That's what's happening with this angle is that she's seeing Dexter Loomis, but Candace keeps going, no, 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 no. Dexter who? Who are you seeing? And uh, that's the essentially the story they're telling. So the, the tag team champions, congratulations. This is fun. I mean, once again, yeah, like the first match being uh, – False count anywhere, and then this being a street fight, it just felt like, like agents didn't hate each other. Like I don't, yeah. I, I thought these were both, you know, the opener and this like bookended the show nicely. I just wouldn't have had it on the same show. Um, yeah, but I thought it was great. Uh, you know, the way it was you offered. I think it was like they're basically comedy characters. Yeah, you, you, you kind of and. And I know that uh, Johnny's got the gold. Like, stables just work better when there's multiple title holders. It's just a cool visual, and it adds to it. It kind of fits Austin Theory to be the one person without one. Like, and I I think they're going too early with the cross thing because you have a really great story, if you want, of he feels left out. The only other title that he can get is you know he could either like you know try to get the cruiserweight title or something like i i guess maybe he's the right weight but it'd be funny if he wasn't yeah. but like if he has to go after arian cross hmm. he wants to he feels weird being the only person not having a title like put that match off a couple of weeks uh yeah that's a solid filler feud to have in between takeovers it is fun because austin theory is such a great and being like that goofball uh, that wants to fit in kind of works for him. Um, but I thought that this was, yeah, this was good. This is plundery. And, uh, you know, have uh, them as your champs and champs are fun. And I, I think there's a lot of good stuff coming from this. I don't know what they do with Monet, but it'd be funny if, I mean, like Shotzi and Ember look like they would just kill the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the way Shotzi was dressed tonight. She was basically Freddy Krueger. I can yeah. see her doing it now. There you go. Yeah, but this was yeah. This is the, the you know this was a fun show. Like like all all you ask from wrestling, especially WWE wrestling, is just don't insult me. And this did not. And and yeah. so I I could give I if we had 
do we have star ratings? If not, I'd give this show like a perfect three out of five. Hmm. Yeah, it was good. I almost wonder if they're stacking these too much too soon in the run to where it's going to draw an audience in the short term, but just set an impossible bar to keep the space of having two takeover level matches every Tuesday. You know? Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of high quality, you know, kind of, we were talking about the wrestling that they have, but NXT does a very consistent job. I think of putting on really good match. Some of WWE's best matches that you're going to see all week on any show. Absolutely. But I think it's, it's almost too much of a good thing. At a certain yeah. Point, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's fine. It's also, is the, is the next takeover SummerSlam? Uh, no, I think there's one next month, I want to say. Okay, um, so yeah, they, they do have to pace it a little better then. But I think, I think so. at least, I don't know how much of this is them wanting to appeal to USA and getting those big ratings. But, I mean, I'm okay with it if you're also building other talent. And I think the show did a good job of that. The yeah. fact that we have some directions and all of that, that. You know, I'm excited to see where Swerve and his group go. I'm excited to see, yeah, the way as these tag champs. So, I mean, I it made me want to watch again. And the fact I, I like that they set up uh, matches next week. It's such a weird thing to compliment, but it doesn't happen that much in WWE all the time. But at the end of a wrestling show, if they say this is what you're going to see next week and there's like two or three things you really want to see, then they, they did it their job. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. And you they know. didn't do that two weeks ago, and they drew their worst rating You know, of these three weeks. They had their audience fall off 100,000. So I think one of the reasons that they did promote so hard is because now they're in this mode like, holy crap, let's tell them what they're going to see so hopefully our numbers can remain above 800,000. And I think, you know, give them real credit, like the fact that, they're trusting all sorts of things in these key positions that a women's tag can be your main event that, you know, um, that you can have a cruiserweight type match as your opener that you could have like all sorts of stuff. I mean, yeah, we're, we're trained to think that that rambly promo segment has to open every show and set up a match that ends every show. But I like the variety of it. And, and I think it's smart to do that as opposed to, relying so much on one part of the division right yeah there you have it alfred final thoughts on tonight uh, i thought it was a up and down show but more good than bad on this show i thought um i like the fact that they're you know progressing toward uh oh we lost alfred mike final thoughts on tonight's show yeah i said i thought it was good um yeah it was fun and uh i wish i had more to make fun of you know i, I, I know most yeah. show wrestle roast uh oh that's right <laughs> i love i love goofing on bad wrestling there there's not a lot on nxt it was fine <laughs> it's, it's a very good show it's, it's it's funny because i agree sometimes what makes the podcast so entertaining and what people like is that shared misery um, and when you have something really good, there's only so many ways you can uh, compliment something and talk about I it. Mean, you know, when you when you have something extraordinary, you can gush about it in different ways. Sure. If you have something terrible, you could crap on it in different ways. When something's like straight down the middle, 
uh, you know, seven out of ten pins like this show was, I don't feel like we can be as entertaining as we want to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't a horrible show. Sorry for leaving the podcast. I don't know if my connection cut out or whatnot, but you know, I'm back now. Yeah, it was it was a a slightly above average show. I just describe it now uh, where I'm moving in Las Vegas. If I want to, I can order and get delivered Del Taco every night. I love Del Taco, but maybe every night it loses its specialness and I cannot quite rave about it so much if I am just having the food that I love all the time. Well, that's funny because the same people who order Del Taco every night are definitely the same people who watch NXT every week. Very tight demographic. Very tight demographic. (laughs) uh cool so mike where can people find you on the interwebs yeah um i'm the co-host of uh the wrestle roast podcast uh we roast a different wrestler every week this week we are roasting the ultimate warrior who is the wrestler that got me into professional wrestling as a kid he was my guy um i am gonna make fun of him for all the jake atlases in the world um yeah. and uh and then we have a patreon episode on saturday if you're like okay what weird stuff do you do we are roasting dave Meltzer, so oh. that'll be fun yeah i i'm watching the movie rain man to prepare for that one <laughs> on that note uh mike where can people direct their angry tweets towards you on the internet uh, I'm not on twitter uh mental health reasons but i am on oh, instagram at mike lawrence comedy there you go. Uh, Friday night, me, Alfred, Jackson Callens is coming back Friday night to talk about SmackDown. And tomorrow night, Alfred, you and Justin are covering yes. AEW. So uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Have a great Tuesday. We'll catch you back here next time on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.